If you are born again, according to Romans 8, 16 and 17, you are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. But what kind of inheritance have you received? If it comes from God, it must be immense and incredible. That that he passes to his offspring, I don't think has fully been explored, but we're going to on this episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity. It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shreve. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. If you have been born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, and brought into the family of God, then you have an inheritance from God that can be accessed and possessed. But you have to learn what you have received in order to lay claim to it. Let's start by reading Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. And I count Romans 8, by the way, the greatest chapter of all of Paul's revelation that he shared with us, the royal chapter of Pauline revelation. And here, right in the middle of the chapter, is this statement. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you're truly a born-again child of God, you have an internal witness and that's not something intangible. That's something very real. You have an internal connection with God that is easily recognizable to you and should be to others as well. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. That's the foundation scripture of everything I have to say. So, what is my inheritance? Before I answer that question, let me tell you a story, kind of a tragic story, but it taught me a lesson. Many years ago, I was holding a tent meeting in Plant City, Florida, and I happened to be at a local restaurant eating breakfast and reading a newspaper. Remember when we used to do that, read newspapers and not get it off of our phones? But anyway, my eyes fell on this particular article that was a terrible, heartbreaking thing that had happened. They found the body of kind of a homeless person, I suppose, in the back of a dump in a crudely built lean-to. And he was laying on a cot with uh, his clothing was all tattered and his body was emaciated and he had passed away. And they searched the man's person to find out if there was any indication of who he was, any kind of identification. And they did find it and searched the county records. And much to their surprise, they found out that this particular man who died penniless was heir to over a quarter of a million dollars that he never claimed. Think of that. He could have had all the nice things in life but lived in abject poverty because he did not understand what his inheritance was, apparently. Well, that leads me, of course, to this conclusion. God said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. 
sometimes I think people live beneath their inheritance. And that's why I want to cover on this episode the 10 primary inheritance titles that have been placed on the children of God. And this is going to give you a full view from the end Uh, from the beginning to the end of the spectrum of your inheritance as declared in the Word of God. And I believe it's going to give you a greater appreciation of what you can access as a child of God, lay claim to, and confess. Because the Bible says very clearly that uh, that we should persist in confessing and professing what belongs to us as children of God. All right, what is an heir? An heir is someone who receives or is entitled to receive any properties, possessions, endowments, or qualities from a parent or a predecessor. The heir is the rightful future recipient or possessor. So you need to realize these are my rights as a child of God. It's not something that I plead for. It's not something I beg for. It's something that belongs to me, and I insist on it being a part of my journey through this world, if God has declared it to be so. But we need revelation. We need revelation of our inheritance. So that leads me to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19 which is actually a prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. However, these words were written as the Holy Spirit moved on him. No scripture was written just by the intellect of the person who was conveying that information, but holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. And so this wasn't just Paul praying for the Ephesians. This was the Holy Spirit through Paul praying for the entire church, including you. So I challenge you to say, I received that at the end of this prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward those who believe? So may God grant you, may God pour out on you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which is a title for a certain office the Holy Spirit fills in his administration of the things of God in your life the spirit of wisdom and revelation, I receive it, that I might know the hope of my inheritance, that I might know the exceeding riches of the glory of my inheritance. Oh, we have lived so far beneath our privileges, but that's going to change. Romans 8.32, same glorious chapter of Paul, says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I wonder what comes under that all things title, don't you? Certainly it's talking about our inheritance. So I've covered three names that I may more fully expound later on. We are heirs, we are heirs of God, and we are joint heirs with Christ. 
But let's go into some other inheritance titles that are scattered throughout the New Testament. Hebrews 1.14 is talking about angels, and it says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Heirs of salvation. That's part of my inheritance. What does salvation mean? Salvation means deliverance, and it can cover a whole uh, a whole group of things that are negatives that you may face in life. Deliverance from enemy tactics against you, demonic strategies against you, deliverance from your past, deliverance from your failures, deliverance from your sin, deliverance from negative emotions, deliverance from mortality, deliverance from the grave, deliverance from all the things you face in this life that could potentially crush you or mess mess up your mind or your heart. So, uh, in fact, one of the most powerful times you find in the first books of the Bible where salvation is men- mentioned is when Moses was standing at the Red Sea in Exodus and the Egyptians are closing in for the kill and Moses tells the children of Israel, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you this day. For the Egyptians you've seen today, you'll see no more again forever. So he wasn't talking about being forgiven of sin and cleansed of that stain on your soul. He was talking about a major attack from the armies of Egypt intent on enslaving the children of Israel. Well, if that was covered by salvation, then I wonder what else God is saving you from and sending ministering spirits into your life in order to save you from. I've faced what should have been the end of my life at least about 10 times since I've been saved. And every one of those times, there was some kind of supernatural rescue. I believe there were angels close by who brought forth salvation when I had a knife held to my neck, when I was shot at, when a a gang of Hindu radicals stormed a platform to beat me up. Every single time I stood on my faith and I saw the salvation of the Lord. So, wow, (laughs) that's a major part of your inheritance. And we could do the rest of this program just on that. But let me go to some of the other names given to you. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, talking about your wives. Giving honor to the wife is to the weaker vessel. And that doesn't mean weaker mentally or emotionally or spiritually. It means normally a man has a greater physical strength to defend and protect his wife. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So if I'm an heir of grace, what does that include? What does that involve? Well, grace has several different definitions, four definite definitions. Number one, grace is unmerited love. Number two, grace is divinely imparted ability. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God, which was God's ability passed to him. Grace is also the abundant 
provision of God in Christ that has been passed towards you. That's part of the grace-filled treasure that belongs to you. And then grace is the sum total of everything God is doing in you, through you, by you, because of you. It's a very comprehensive term. And we are heirs together of the grace of life. The scripture also says, sin shall no longer have dominion over you because you're not under the law, you're under grace. And I just told you the definitions of grace. Well, let me pick out the first two again. If I'm under grace, then first, grace will give the power to recover from sin. It's unmerited love that gives you the power to recover from sin, all the sins of your past. But once you're saved, grace gives you divinely imparted ability to live above sin. So grace will either enable you to recover from sin or have a dominant authority over sin. But one way or the other, you're going to conquer sin if you are an heir of grace. Once again, there's a lot more that can be covered with that particular revelation. Then let's go to 11.7 of the book of Hebrews. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Wow. This is an incredible portion of your inheritance, that you are heirs of a kind of righteousness that is not achieved by human effort or by religious works, but it's achieved by faith. Why? Because Noah believed what God said, and he acted on what God said with obedience and built the ark. And he became, in the process, an heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Well, you've done the same thing. I've done the same thing. I believed in the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for the sins of humanity, that he rose from the dead, that he ascended into heaven, that he reigns from the throne on high, and that if I come under his headship, I receive all of those benefits. I'm an heir of righteousness. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You can achieve a higher degree of righteousness. You can respond to that righteousness in gratitude, that righteousness which is God-given and comes as a gift. Romans 5.17 calls it the gift of righteousness. You can respond to that with great gratitude and walk in righteous acts, righteous words, righteous attitudes as a worshipful response to God. But you can't earn a higher status of righteousness than what has already been granted to you as a part of your inheritance. Thank God, Noah, we've learned about that wonderful promise from God also. Next, Hebrews 6.17 says, God determining to show abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. And it's talking about the time God spoke to Abraham and swore by himself that Abraham would have offspring like the stars of heaven without number, like the sand by the seashore, innumerable. And 
Abraham was an heir of that promise. Well, you've inherited more than just the promises given to Abraham. In fact, from Genesis to Revelation, there are 7,487 promises that God has given. I want all of them. I want my inheritance. I want what's coming to me. If God promises joy, and he does, therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation, then I want joy. It's my inheritance. It's not something I plead for. It's not something I beg for. In this depressing world, I want my inheritance of joy. Is my inheritance peace? Absolutely. Jesus said, not as the world gives, give I unto you, but my peace I give unto you. Well, in this anxious and despair-filled world, I want the peace of God that passes understanding. It's part of my inheritance. It's one of the promises. There's 7,487 promises in God's word. And if I am an heir of promise, those promises and their fulfillment belong to me. They belong to you. But you've got to have a bold mindset to lay claim to them. Next, and I love this one, in Titus chapter 3, verse 7, it says, being justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Think on that one for a moment. Ponder that, that we are heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Well, the greatest thing, the most incredible thing any human being destined for death in this world could ever hope for is to live forever. And so God is saying your inheritance is on the level of the highest hope that any human being could ever embrace within their heart of hearts, that any human being could ever grip within their souls. I hope I live forever. Yes, that's absolutely your inheritance. And if that, the highest thing that you could ever aspire to is part of your inheritance, what about all the lesser things, right? The next two are just incredible, mind-blowing, mind-expanding promises. In Romans 4.13, it says that the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. In other words, God told Abraham that he would inherit global impact. He would be an heir of of the world. But this passage of scripture says that promise has been passed to all the children of Abraham too. And the Bible says we are children of Abraham by faith in Jesus Christ. So we've inherited this promise to be inheritors of the world. Next time you meet someone that doesn't really know a lot about the Bible and you're driving down the road, maybe in the car together on a trip somewhere, point to a field here or a mountain over there and say, hey, that belongs to me. That real estate over there that has that big mountain, I own that. And uh, you'll get an incredulous look, I'm sure. And then you can explain that the Bible says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. All seven continents will belong to us. Or in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no more sea. So maybe it will be one continent. Who knows exactly what it will be like. But it's a corporate inheritance that will belong to all the children of God together. We are heirs of the world. Hallelujah to that. So that leads us to number 10, 
the last one I wanted to cover today. James chapter 2 verse 5 says, Listen, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? So the last title that we're going to focus on is being heirs or inheritors of the kingdom of God, God's kingdom. What comprises God's kingdom? All that God is and all that God has that is underneath his authority and his sovereign power. And he says, I bequeath it to you. It's part of your inheritance. And the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. It will overflow into the natural world at the coming of the Lord, and heaven and earth will blend together. But right now, it's a spiritual kingdom, spiritually discerned only by those who are born again. Because except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom, neither does the kingdom enter him. But then you become sensitive to the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God is saturated with the personality of the king and the abilities of the king. And when you are translated into the kingdom of God at salvation, you are functioning in a realm that is filled with God's personality and filled with God's abilities that are all bequeathed to you as an heir of the kingdom. That'll take me the rest of this day to fully fathom. And I want you to think about it too. So those are the 10 major titles, beginning with heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ that belong to you and I as children of the Most High. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.